Good to see you. For those of you who are new, um, my name's Colin. I'm the pastor here, you hope, anyway, unless it's this just random guy's got up and started to speak. Um, uh, it's great to see you. So we are currently working through our series on reaching. We had gone through a series on worship, and then we looked at worldview as to how we see things through the glasses that we have on. Um, and then we've been looking now at reaching. And last week, we were looking about what's in your hand. Well, this week we're going to look a little bit more about what's in your hand. So everybody pull their hand out. What's in your hand? There's nothing in my hand. What is there? I remember hearing a story uh, about somebody uh, who said, uh, I don't have anything in my hand. And the response to them was, but you have your hand. Ooh, and they still do. So we want to uh, let God kind of touch us poke at us, maybe provoke us in some ways, and also let him uh, lift any glasses off that you have on that would cause your worldview to edit out what it actually is that you have in your hand. And the goal about reaching um, really is that we cannot reach effectively until we let God reach into us. And until we embrace what he's doing in us, we cannot really reach out. It's always probably going to be out of a place of, I really should do that, rather than a place of, huh. I actually have this in my hand to reach out with. We get to be ourselves. That's a great thing about this journey with God is he wants us to be ourselves. He's not looking for us to be like somebody else or to try to be somebody else. He wants us to be ourselves. So last week, um, I talked a little bit about Moses. And this week, we want to dig into Moses. Are you all familiar with the character of Moses? Yes. Are you all familiar with, uh, you, I'm assuming you would all know about the burning bush. Well, we're going to dig into that, um, that situation that happened with him. So you can follow with me if you want. We're starting at Exodus uh, chapter 3, and we're looking, going from verse 1. So now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. The Presbyterian symbol is ardent said varns, burning but living. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush, why does this bush not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. You can do your own interpretation of what his voice sounds like. Moses. 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 I like the way they did it. Uh, Was it the Prince of Egypt? Cartoon. Moses. It's a bit like Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. Do you know that film? Yeah. Moses. Sorry, there was three in there, wasn't there? So whatever way you want to hear it. Moses. Lorna. D. Aaron. Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites and Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. 
and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Soon I go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Moses said to the Lord, brace yourselves, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, oh, Moses, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Why does Russell laugh? I think we're all slightly laughing nervously. (laughs) The first point I want to make to you is that God calls out to you in the middle of your normal everyday lives. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Desert bushfires were typical and they were common. And Moses went in for a closer look. I'm going to pummel you with a couple of verses here. Proverbs 25.2, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search a matter out is the glory of kings. One of the things that really shocks me as I read this uh, passage is that God causes this bush to be on fire and it's burning but it's alive, it's not consumed. And God watches just watches. He watches the situation. He watches what, he's standing going, what's Moses going to do? Is he going to respond? Now we can step into the hole. He's omnipresent. He knows everything. But maybe sometimes uh, it's actually a wee bit more similar to how we would understand things than they actually are. God is waiting and watching. He's hidden things in your everyday life and he is waiting and he is watching to see what you're going to do with that and whether you're going to respond. Now the first time that you start to go, hmm, what is that? And go a little bit further and go, what actually is that? The closer that you get to what he is doing in your everyday and normal life, the more that you're going to hear him and what he has to say to you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. James 4 verse 8. God is watching to see if you will notice and how you will respond. And this is from Psalm 31 verse 18. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. So we've got a story. 2008, I used to work for uh, Venture Portraits. Did any of you get your portraits taken with Venture? Yes, you did. A couple of people did. Um, we'll not talk about them as a company. We'll just talk about the fact that I worked for them. So 
there was this area, it was a really, really lovely bit, and it was a bit like this. There was just, it was just floor to ceiling and it was glass, and they had some uh, images on display, and there was a, a sit, settee you could sit on. And I had, a, I think, probably a couple of minutes, either I was upstairs cleaning something or I was waiting for the clients to come in. And as I was sitting there, um, I just had this feeling of, oh, God's here. I, I just felt like my eyes were sharper. I felt a bit cleaner. It just was like somebody had opened up a window. I was, okay, oh, God's here. I knew enough to know that it was his presence. And I said, hello, uh, is there anything that you want to say to me? Because I'm, I'm listening. And he said a few things. And then this picture that I had seen for the past two years, pretty much every day that I worked, uh, I saw really for the first time, and it was this picture of this guy with his daughter on his shoulders. And the Lord said, and I will give you the desires of your heart. So just trundled on with life. We had been uh, trying to uh, have a child, and it hadn't been happening. Um, and then Claire was pregnant. And Psalm 37, 4 uh, it says that delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So I thought, okay, I'm going to, this is how it works. I really want to be a daddy. So I'm going to delight myself in God and he's going to give me the desires of my heart. So Claire was pregnant and I had seen this picture of this daddy with a little girl. Now it wouldn't take a rocket sense to make possibly the connection that maybe this is going to be a little girl. And as the time went on, I really thought this is a girl. So we're in the uh, delivery suite and Anna is about to make her entrance into the world. And up on the machine, it was actually over here, just on the machine it said 3704, which is the address of delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then Anna was born and I said to the midwife, is it a girl? And she said, I don't know. And I said, doesn't look like it's a boy. She said, it's a girl. Are you sure? It's a girl. She's still a girl. So all because there was just this change in the atmosphere. Just something went off in me and I thought, God's here. I'm just going to say, is there anything you'd like to say? And he waited for me to say that and then he responded. And because of that, I got to go on this wonderful bunny trail and tell you all about the fact that the desire of my heart calls me daddy. She's seven years old now and she's over there. All because in the middle of everyday normal life, he's right there. So the lie in all of this is that it's going to be, maybe it's just going to be here. God only comes to church. Sometimes he doesn't come. But we always want him. Does that make sense? He's always here. But we want his manifest presence among us. His presence that we can go, he is here. We prioritize his presence because we want him with us. But he, if you want to see him, is in the middle of your everyday life. So let's be about the business of not going, oh, there was a small group and he was there and there was a church and he was there and I've got to go back to work. Come on, wake up. He's everywhere all the time, with you all the time. Be expectant. When he shows up, engage him. He's watching you to see what you're going to do. And maybe if you respond, he'll say, take off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. So he's watching. Go and take a closer look at and for the activity of God in your life. The other thing about what's in your hand is you may be so used to grasping it that you're not even aware of it. Moses had been a shepherd for 40 years. 
He'd probably had that. I don't know whether he'd had this. It was like his third staff. I don't know whether it was like, you know, martial arts. When you get to a certain level as a shepherd, you get this staff. But he had this staff in his hand. He'd been a shepherd for 40 years. And the Cambridge Bible scholars and colleagues make the comment that it, the staff, became the medium of the display of divine power to him. It became the medium of the divine display of power to him. So what is that in your hands? He threw the staff down. He picked it up. He hit the ground with it. He stretched it out over the waters. He struck the rock. It's about doing what you are being asked to do by God with that thing that you have in your hands. So take your hand out. What is it that you have in your hand? It's all about you just, when he says to the butcher, give those sausages. Give those sausages. Take the sausages back. You take the sausages back. It's not really rocket science. Moses threw it down the ground. It became a snake. And then he was a wee bit afraid. And God said, take it up by the tail. Took it up by the tail. He said, hit the rock and there'll be water. He hit the rock and there was water. He said, stretch it out over the waters. He stretched it out over the waters and the waters parted. He just did what he was told. So whatever it is that you have in your hand, just listen. When God has pointed it out to you, what that thing is, what it is that he's trained you in. Moses was a shepherd. I'm a gardener. This pastoring business is all about being a constant gardener. Caring for the little seedlings. Knowing what to do with each tree. You don't treat every tree the same. If you're doing renovations in the garden, you've got to embrace the fact that there's going to be a bit of mess. We got hedges removed. Claire rang me and went, they have made such a mess of our garden. It is devastating. Anna is also upset. Love, I think our seven-year-old's opinion on our garden will be all right. <laughs> I came home and went, hey, like this is, they are the cleanest hedge removers I think I have ever seen in my life. Because it gets messy before it's going to get better. Love growing fruit. You've got to learn how to prune a fruit tree. I have this beautiful cherry tree at the front. I didn't prune it this year, got to confess, because I was a wee bit scared, because I really love that cherry tree. This year it's not bearing as much fruit. So in your day-to-day life, what are the lessons that he's teaching you? What is that that you've got in your hands? So, next point. What's that that you've got in your hands? How many different ways can I say this? Take your hand out. What's that you've got in your hands right now? This is about the present tense. Present tense. What have we got now? The first lie is that we'll be ready in the future. We were talking about this in small group, and I was so impacted by this, the subtlety of the lie, really, that we're being spun about this stuff. The first lie is we'll be ready to do this in the future. Oh, well, maybe I'll have the right thing in my hand in the future. The second one is we were in a better place in the past. Yeah, I was in a much better place to reach out, and, you know, I would have had something in my hand then, but actually don't have it now. And the third thing is, I cannot be used by God unless I am doing this, unless I am in this place, unless I say these things, unless I deliver it this way. You fill in your own blank. And the fourth one is, what what I have in my hand is a secular thing. Well, the only thing that's secular to God is sin. So it doesn't matter what you do, whether you're the supervisor, whether you're a butcher, whether you're a teacher, a baker, a gardener, a doctor, a salesperson, a mum, an office worker, whatever it is that you do, he wants to use you where you are. 
Psalm 139, 1-6. You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it, Lord, completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. He knows you. And he has intricately designed where you are, what you're doing, your life experiences, the jobs that you do, the friends that you have, the children that you have, where you live, the amount of money that you have. I have come to the awareness of if I got everything that I wanted, I would completely destroy myself. So I've got to yield myself to where I am because my heart is to go after God. If your heart is to go after him, then yield yourself to the, the situation that you're in. You are the light of the world right now do you believe that you really are Jesus didn't say well if you do these things you'll be the light of the world or that crew over there no the left hand side they're the light of the world you're a bit of a dim switch really actually that's all you are these guys over here they're like they're the brightest people in the world and those ones at the back well maybe one day if they are really really good I might let them be the light of the world no, he did not. Matthew five fourteen to 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. If you are putting your, lamp, your light under a bowl, stop it. I think it was uh, Nelson Mandela had said that we do not fear the darkness within us, but the light. We do not fear the darkness. I can't do it. Sound like Yoda. So stop being afraid of the light that you have. Jesus said they put it on a stand. Put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men. Don't force it. Let it shine. So that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. And you've got to believe this right here and right now. Because tomorrow in this respect never comes. Today's the day. It's not four over there because four over there is always going to be four over there. It is for right here and right now. So you are the light of the world. What if some caterpillars need to see you struggle out of your cocoon to know that it's possible? Well, I'm struggling with this thing and I've really got this stuff in my life and you know there's this here and this here and this here. So what? Why don't you be honest about it with the right people? Lift the veil and say, I really struggle. What I find about being a pastor is the more that I can communicate, hey, I have that t-shirt too. The more that those around me go, well, he's not trying to be something. He's telling me actually that this is possible. And actually he's saying that that God is my God and I'm the light of the world and I can do this. Can you do this? Yes, pastor. Can you do this? Are you the light of the world? Because that's the issue right there. Are you the light of the world? If you don't believe it, then be honest about it. We had a wonderful moment last week where somebody went, I really don't believe it. We all went, ooh. But that's part of the process. If you don't believe it, then be honest about it. Tell God, I actually don't believe you that I'm the light of the world. And let it burn, baby. Because it's the truth. You are the light of the world. Until you really believe that, 
you're not going to let your light shine. You're going to try to be something else. You're going to try to implement this strategy and somebody else's strategy. If you know that you are the light of the world, you are going to let the light shine through you and you are going to love it. And everybody else around you is going to go, what is it about you? What? I, I don't understand. What? What? I, what is that? You might not even have to tell people about Jesus. They might ask you. Now there, that would be a great model of evangelism. Do you know that you need to be saved, brother, and you're all going to hell if you don't? That may well be the truth, but how many people does that really help? What about if you just start by loving them? They might come to you and say, what do you think about that? You can say, well, you know that I love you, but I believe that this is the truth. And actually, you need to line yourself up with the truth. And because they know that you love them, they're going to go, you're so right. Rather than get away from me, I want to stone you because you're annoying me. Can I tell you a story? So I was in school. I was in, uh, I think it was in sixth form. I was one of the prefects. Wasn't going after God at all. We were sitting at break time and this guy, who was a total nut for Jesus, and I'm talking about not in a positive way, uh, came over to me and said, where are you with your walk with the Lord? And I went, I'm eating my skips. <laughs> Let's be relevant. Let's share the light that we have. This should not be awkward, folks. How many times have you experienced the awkwardness? We have all have, haven't we? We've either been the ones being awkward doing this stuff or being the ones who are awkward because the person that is approaching you is awkward. I'm telling you, Jesus knows what he's talking about. You just are the light of the world. You just are. So let your light shine. If he says, that's covering your light, you need to lift that off. Lift it off. If you need to polish up that little bit, because he's saying polish up that little bit, polish it up. But other than that, let it shine. It's the light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. The Holy Spirit speaking today, people. What's in your hand right now today? Not tomorrow, not in the past, but right now today. And this is the last point I want to make. Don't make Moses' Moses's mistake. Don't make Moses' mistake. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And then God smacked him with the truth, and his anger burnt against him. And let me go back to the point that Moses then made at the end. He said, But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Please do not make the mistake that Moses made. Do you know, when I was preparing this this morning, um, I had a moment of real kind of sobriety, and I just said to the Spirit, I really do not want to make any negative comment about your servant Moses. Moses was incredible, but he was a man, and he made some mistakes. And I want to just highlight, uh, really unpack a little bit about what that mistake was. Moses' mistake was pride. Full stop. He felt that he knew better. Now, let's turn that. Let's turn the spotlight on ourselves. Where are you disagreeing with God? When he comes to you and he says, would you do that for me? Oh, no, your servant has never been eloquent of speech and is not even in this day. Where is it that he's saying, would you go over there for me? You can't send me, God. I, I couldn't do that. Could you go minister healing to that person over there? Healing? Whew, that's for Colin. He does that kind of stuff. 
Could you uh, surrender your finances? Just over that bit there. I don't have enough, God. Could you, you're going to have to deal with that issue in that relationship. No, no, no. They, 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 would, they would never understand. We're Moses too. So where are the areas where God is saying, do this? You are this. You're beautiful. You're kind. You're funny. You're skilled here. You're a Rolls Royce. That's what you're designed to be. Where are those areas that we go, no, I don't agree with you. We need to stop because this whole journey is about us going, God, I'm going to agree with you. Even if it doesn't feel true, let's die to that whole thing. Because actually, your emotions are lying to you. They're rebellious. But the more that you yield to what God wants you to do, the more that they will stop being rebellious and they'll yield as well. And you'll find that your emotions are a lot happier too. He might be calling you beautiful. He might be calling you an overcomer. He might be asking you to do something. He might tell you that that relationship isn't good. He might tell you that that one really is and you need to play into that. He might be asking you to tithe or to give. He might be asking you to fast or to give up that thing. He might be asking you to speak or sing or dance or draw or write or whatever it is. But whatever God asks you to do, he also equips you to do. And he has this habit of calling things that are not as though they are. So stop looking at what you believe is the reality and listen to the voice that tells you the truth. So if God asks you to do something, do it. Let me ask you again, and there's a right answer here. Are you the light of the world? (laughs) You really are. God wants to show his strength in the middle of your weakness. So if that's an area of weakness for you, bingo. Why doesn't he point your strength? Because it's not going to be as obvious that it's him. He points at your weakness because he wants to flow through your weakness. For those of you who know Dennis, Dennis has spoken to, I think in Mexico at one point, he spoke to 10,000 people that were present, 5,000 that were present in a crowd. Dennis was the guy that wouldn't speak to anybody and wanted to hide. When he goes back home to his people, they go, what happened to you? And he just tells them, well, God just made himself strong in me. He wants to do exactly the same with you. So let him. The sad thing about what Moses did was because really he didn't deal with the issue of pride, um, what happened was in the end that it cost him the journey into the promised land. So in Numbers 20, chapter 2 to 12, it says, Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we'd died with our brothers who fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? And there's no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out from this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But 
the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you didn't trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I gave them. The more you mature folks, the more your mistakes cost you. The issues that you're not willing to deal with now are going to cost you big style in the future. Because Moses had that wee area that he wanted to hold on to, that area of, you know, God, I'm not really that eloquent to speak, even though you say that I can do this, even though you've told me that you're the one who designed the mouth. I'm going to resist you because that's what pride does. Then when God said, speak to the rock, he struck it twice and it cost him the price of not getting into the promised land. So don't discount yourselves by your assessment of your situation or yourself. Nathan, would you guys come and uh, join us? God knows exactly what he's doing, and our job is to believe him. Do you remember I did the point about we want to connect with the truth and complete the circuit so that the truth is made manifest rather than connecting with the lie and making the lie manifest because really fear and lies only create themselves when they have our belief in them. So let's believe what God says. Moses in reality had more faith in his worldview than in the one who created the world. So we don't want to be doing that. We want to have faith in him. And Jesus said that you are the light of the world. It is objective. It is not subjective. Whether we feel about it or not. Would you stand with me? You are the light of the world right here and right now. So the question as it was last week, as it is now, is what's that in your hand? So as always, whenever uh, there's a message, there's a response for ministry. And I've got questions as normal for you to consider. But if you're me, just come on up and respond. So questions this morning are, do you want to see and understand what that thing is that you have in your hand? Or have you realized that, God, that you've been telling God that he doesn't know what he's doing? Have you got that t-shirt where really God has communicated clearly to you, this is who you are and what you can do, and you're going, no, I don't think so. And finally, are you ready to believe the truth that you are the light of the world? If that's the case, come and join me at the front now. So as always, we're going to worship for a time and then the team are going to minister. So come, Holy Spirit, will you increase your presence among us?